This morning, um, the title of my message is Under New Management. And I don't know about you, but how many of you enjoy the feeling of getting something new? Uh, It's been two years since I've had my faithful iPhone 7, which means it's almost time that I can upgrade and get a new one and um, update to some new technology, and I'm looking forward to that. I love getting new pieces of technology, uh, new computer, new phones. How many of you enjoy the feeling of getting a new car? You've had the experience of getting a new car, you traded in the old. um, I love the feeling of getting that. If you, my wife would tell you that if I get new clothes or I get anything for my birthday or for Christmas, I will wear those outfits um, faithfully until I have worn them all because I love the experience and feeling of wearing something new. I think it's why the show, like Fixer Upper Shows and Chip and Joanna resonate with us because we love seeing what they do with the old and how they remodel the old and how they make it new. Some of you guys, it's probably why you've remodeled your kitchen or remodeled your bathroom or you've put fresh paint on a bedroom because you're tired of the old, you're sick of the old, and you're ready for something new. And I think the feeling of loving something new and enjoying something new and getting something new uh, resonates with us because it's in the nature and the heart and the character of God in that God um, does something new in us. When we meet Jesus and we've come to Jesus, he does something new and transforms us and makes us into something new. And we, then every time that we get something new or we experience something new, it resonates with something that God does in us. And so if you'll look with me in 2 Corinthians verse 5, we will start verse 17 through 21. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so I have just a short video to demonstrate um, quickly what it is look like to be under new management and what it looks like to have to be a new creation in Christ. Jesus, I have decided to give you this. Really? Yeah. You know whoever sits here makes all the decisions, right? I know, and I'm always making decisions, but you make the perfect decisions, so you just sit right down and start making them. Wow, I'm honored. I mean, this feels great. (laughs) Kathleen, guess what? I just got my new credit card. It's time to go shopping. (laughs) Oh, really? I thought your husband and you were going to pay off debt. Oh, yeah. I mean, money's kind of tight, but I figured he doesn't have to know about it. So do you want to go with me? No. (laughs) No? Why? Uh, What I mean is, uh, I don't know. Um, So let me check my schedule, and then I'll get back to you. Okay, yeah, give me a call. Okay. (laughs) Kat, what's going on? What do you mean? Well, I'm kind of one cheek in it here. Look, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. You wanted me to sit here, right? Well, of course. And whoever sits here makes all the decisions? Right. So what's the problem? There's not a problem. I just, I don't know what I was thinking. Really, please, here, sit down. As long as you're sure. I'm sure. Okay, Okay. so let's start over. Okay. All right. Kat, I noticed that you've been losing your temper a lot lately. 
Right. So, okay, Jesus, you know what? I know what you're going to say, but um, see, you, do? you don't know the whole situation, you know? <laughs> oh. I, well, all I'm saying is that your attitude is a decision. Yes, of course, but I have a lot going on right now. <laughs> well, I know you're under a lot of pressure. Pressure? Jesus, you don't understand pressure, okay? This I, isn't working, Kat. What? We can't both sit on the seat. It's either me or it's you. Okay, I know. You know, I just, I didn't think it was going to be this hard, but here, just take it. No, I'm not going to take it. You have to give it to me. Okay, here. Kathleen, make a choice. I can't. You just did. And so I've been properly informed that this is not a stool, it is a chair because it has a back. Thank you, Pat Carney, for that. <laughs> um, but when we come to Christ and we make a decision to follow Jesus, we are making a decision to hand him the controls and the reins of our lives. Is that we formerly sat in this chair and we were the ones that made the decisions and we were the ones that decided what was right and what was good and we, were, we played the role of God um, and we determined what we wanted to do and how we wanted to shape our lives. But in coming to Jesus, we are now giving him the control and giving him the reign and allowing him to sit on the, what I call the throne room of our own heart and on the seats of our heart and he is now in his right place. It's kind of like this. It's kind of when we make the decision to go from um, Windows and all of its terrible updates and losings of loss of applications and just, you know, that surprise. You go into the office on Monday morning and you turn on your computer and it's just not coming on for the next eight hours and all of that. It's when you go from that to switching to iOS and you go to Apple and you go to no viruses and ease of use and you now have a better operating system. In the same way that when we come to Christ, we are now under a new operating system. Something else is now um, running the show, and we are under new management. I also was going to call it a new sheriff in town. That we're no longer the head honcho or the boss or the ruler of ourselves. We have now given that spot to Christ, and he is now seated on the throne of our hearts where he rightfully belongs. And the thing is, God's new work in us um, is not just a fresh coat of paint on some old things. It says that the old is actually passed away. The old is gone and the new has come. And so God is not only just putting a fresh coat of paint on an old wall, he's actually tearing up the foundations and he's digging up the cement and he's pouring new concrete and he's putting new headers and new footers and he's building new walls and he's putting up new drywall and he's putting up fresh paints and he's doing something new in us. But the truth is, is that a lot of us, um, a lot of us wrestle with the old passing away. A lot of us still might be kind of bound and might be kind of tethered to the old us because it's hard for us to surrender and to submit to God's control. It's hard for us to trust God's plan and we don't like being out of control. We don't like having faith and trust in something else other than ourselves. And the truth is a lot of us still like to sit right here and we have a hard time letting go of the old. And the old, for a lot of us, looks different. Um, there's probably 120 of us in here, and we've all come to Jesus in different ways, and the old us looks different for all of us. Some of us, the old us was an addict, um, bound to maybe alcohol or drugs, um, looking for joy and happiness in the next high or in the next, um, you know, moment and we're just seeking out the pleasures of this world and it, it, we became exhausted and tired of that and we finally found Jesus and we found a joy that passes um, anything else and one that is lasting and we found Jesus from that. Some of us, the old us, is like the woman at the well 
and we jumped from relationship to relationship, trying to find love and acceptance, and our hearts were desperate to find some type of love that would last. And we were left with broken relationships and heartache and hurt, and we found Jesus, and we found love and acceptance that lasted. Some of us, the old us, simply probably walked in confusion and hurt and brokenness of this world that we were lost and confused, filled with depression, worry, anxiety, because we didn't have a plan or a purpose and our life seemed to be spinning and spiraling out of control. And then we found Jesus and we found a peace that passed all understanding. And we found rest for our weary souls and our hearts found content in Christ. The old us and some of us were probably some of those that walked and caused pain and hurt and made decisions that affected others, and we were left with our guilt and our shame, and we were left recognizing that unless we did something, we were going to continue down a path that caused destruction and heartache and wreckage. And so we found Jesus, and he now came and sat on the throne of our hearts, and now we are under new management. But the truth is, the temptation and the hard thing for us is to sometimes let go of the old. In the same way the proverb says is that we are like a dog that returns to its vomit or a pig that returns to its slop after a bath. Sometimes we want to return to the very thing that we fled from. We want to go back to the thing that didn't deliver, that um, that didn't rescue, that didn't save, that didn't fulfill us, and we sometimes want to return and think that it's somehow going to deliver something that it didn't previously. And the temptation is to go back to the old. And we need the reminder that the old is passed away, and the old is passing away, and the new has come. And so no longer is it, you know, you have a conflict with your spouse and you have a disagreement and the old you wants to come out and the old you wants to snap and just lose it. Nope, you're under new management now. It's God, how have you called me to love and to respond to my spouse? Or you're at work and that coworker has just ticked you off and you've had enough and you just want to clock him right in the face, you know? The old you is starting to rear its head. Now you're under new management now. How has God called you to love and to serve and to show that person the love of Christ? And how would Christ respond to that person? See, it's no longer you who makes this decision. It's now Christ in you. You're under new management. But the truth is is that some of us have a hard time letting go. And some of us have, we always are looking back. And when things in life get stressful and things get hard and get difficult, what we often look back to is the old us. I shared last week the joys of parenting um, young children, and how many of you know that you know, your child could be acting up or misbehaving, and then all of a sudden, the old you really wants to come out? <laughs> but the truth is, we need to be reminded of this in verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, meaning if you have placed your faith in Christ, and Jesus is now the Lord of your life, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. The old has gone, and the new has come and that you're under new management. It means the old us that had to search and look for love in relationships and um, in every avenue is no longer has to search and long because our hearts found content in the love of Christ. The old me that had to search for an identity through my work or through my looks or through my appearances or whether how funny I was or how good at sports I was, guess what? I no longer have to operate under that because I have a Bible that says I am fearfully and wonderfully made and my soul knows it very well and I got an identity that I am a son of God and I no longer have to look and to search for that. The old me that scratched and clawed for acceptance with no regard of what it cost me or anyone else that just tried to climb up and get some recognition and some worth, guess what? 
I'm under new management. I have worth and I have value and I have purpose. Why? Because I am under new management. I have a God that has given it to me. If anyone knew and anyone understood what it was like to be under new management and to be a new creation in Christ, it was the author of this very passage in Paul. Paul has spent his previous life, his old life, climbing up the, the Jewish ladder, elevating himself in his education, elevating himself in his position and his status at work, and filled with hatred for anyone that was not a Jew. In fact, he spent um, his latter time when people were converting to Christianity, trying to imprison them and punish them, and even sentencing some to death for their faith and their belief in Jesus. But then one day on a road to Damascus, Jesus, Paul encounters Jesus, and Jesus comes to live and dwell inside of Paul, and guess what? He is a new creation. And now instead of being filled with hatred uh, for anyone that is not a Jew, he is now planting churches and spreading the gospel all throughout the nation and sharing it with the Greeks. He is now filled with love. Instead of trying to throw people in prison and punish them for their beliefs, he is now trying to lead people to belief. Now, instead of trying to find his worth and his value and his purpose through his status and his position and being the wisest and the smartest, he says, I count that all as lost because the old me has been crucified with Christ and now it is Christ that lives and dwells within me. Because Paul was a new creation in Christ. And it didn't just, wasn't just a fresh coat of paint, it changed his loves, it changed his affections, it changed his very job and the very nature of the things that he did. And that's what being a new creation in Christ is like for us. It changes our desires, it changes our affections, it changes the way that we worship, it changes the way that we treat people. For some of us, it probably has even changed our jobs and what we did for a career and how we made a living because we are new creations in Christ. We are under new management. Why? Because we have been reconciled to God. If we continue to read in verse 18, it says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And see, the truth is, is that you don't have to be reconciled to someone when there's no disagreement or there's no separation or there's no estrangement. But I have to be reconciled to my wife if we have a disagreement or if we have something that we disagree with or we have a fight or an argument, then we have to be reconciled to each other. But see, the need and the cause for reconciliation is that when there is a separation and when there is um, a distance between you and another person, it calls for reconciliation. And some of us are very quick to forget that before we were in Christ, and some of us have been Christians so long, and sometimes the danger of familiarity um, causes us to forget that we were once strangers with God. That Ephesians says that we once walked as children of darkness, that we were once the prodigal son who said, you know what, God, give me what I want. I don't want to live by your rules. I don't want to be bound by how you've told me to live. I want to spend my life and live my life how I want and doing what I want. And we spend our lives in wild living. And we spend our lives sitting on the decision seat and saying, you know what, God, you can't tell me how to live. You can't tell me what to do. It's all sin really simply is. It's telling God, you know, I know that you're perfect. I know that your laws are good. I know that you're holy. I know that you made an entire universe and you've made us. But you know what, God, in this instance, I think it's better to lie, about, lie to my spouse about that. Is that we think that our views and what we want and how we want to see things is what is best. 
and we forget that that causes a distance between us and God. And that the reason that we need reconciliation has nothing to do with God's goodness and God's nature and who God is. He has been faithful to who he is and will always be faithful. And the reason that we are alienated and separated from God has everything to do with me, myself, and I. I brought a scale. I already got a broken scale, so it kind of works um, out that way. But if these were the scales of justice, um, these are our decisions, our actions, our sins, our flaws. And if you can see, the scales of justice are tipped. And there needs to be some reconciliation. There needs to be a settling of the accounts and the affairs of what has gone on. And we forget that we were just like Adam and Eve We forget that Adam and Eve walked in perfect fellowship. They walked in communion with God, that they were made for relationship with God. And their very purpose was to be an image bearer and to spread the glory of God in their parenting, in their relationship to each other, in their work, and everything that they did, they were to display the nature and the character of God. It says that they were an image of God, and it's very simple, but you were to be a picture of what it's like to follow Christ. And Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden. They had fellowship. They had relationship. It wasn't just about a strict set of rules that we talked about last week that God wanted them to follow, that he wanted fellowship with him. He wanted to commune with them. He was there with them. He talked with them. He spoke with them. And they had relationship with God. And we forget that the thing that was lost when they decided to eat of the tree of the knowledge and good and evil was that they were kicked out of the garden and they lost the presence of God and that they were now estranged and alienated from God. And we're no different. Is it sometimes we like to keep God at a distance? We like to um, say, you know what, God, you just stay over there. Don't infringe upon what I am doing. And we too are aliens. But we also must remember that the same calling of Adam and Eve is the same calling of every single one of you that sits here, is that you were made for relationship. You were made to have communion with God. You were made to have fellowship with God. And you were made to be an image bearer of God. In your workplace, in your families, with your children, at your schools, to your neighbors that live next to you in your homes, you were called to shine and bear the image of the living God. That's your greatest purpose. It's why you're here. It's why you have breath. Is that God created the earth for us and gave us dominion over it so that we could reflect his nature and his character. There is no greater sense of purpose. You don't have to look look and search for a purpose. It's not something that is just hidden out there and you just got to find it. No, it's given to you in God. Is that you were called to be a son and daughter of the living God and to reflect his nature and character. But the truth is, is our sin separates us from that and it causes a problem. And the truth is, is that Hopefully this doesn't break anything, but we'll see. Truth is, it says this. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against them. And so Jesus came and said, you know what? There's an imbalance, but you know what? I'm doing away with the scales of justice. I didn't count men's sin against them. 
and that he so longed and desired to know you that he paid your price so that you could be reconciled to him. That he so wanted fellowship and communion and relationship with you, he took your sins and your punishment and the things that made you alienated from him and it says that he reconciled himself to us. Nothing that I did, nothing in my works, it wasn't my attendance in church, it wasn't my preaching, and it wasn't my rule following, it was his reconciliation to me. Verse 21 confirms that God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I have right standing with God because he chose to reconcile me to himself. And we forget that we are new creations in Christ and we have been reconciled to God. That if you have placed your faith and your trust and your hope in Jesus, you are reconciled to him. That you were made right with God. Why? Because God wants you to be an image bearer. And God wants you to walk just as Adam and Eve walked in the garden so that you would have the exact same relationship with him. So we know what we're saved from. We're saved from our sin and our death. Um, The wages of sin and the consequences of sin is death. We deserve death. And that we know that when we place our faith in Christ, we are saved from that. We know what we are saved to. We know that when we are reconciled to God, that we are brought back into relationship with God. We know that we are promised eternity in heaven, and that heaven is our eternal home. But the question is, what are we saved for? Because if reality was that we were just saved so that we could go to heaven, um, the moment that I placed my faith in Jesus, I would be um, gone and taken up. But I hope um, that that's not the case because there's a lot of Christians sitting here um, in front of me. And so what for? Why do we have 10, 20, 30, 40, some of us even 50 years after meeting Jesus? What are we to do with that? What is that for? Why didn't Jesus just automatically take us up into heaven and we can enjoy our perfect unity with him there. We find the answer in verses 18. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And he has committed to us this message. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God. And so what are you here for? What are these next 10, 20, 30, 40 years that you have left here on this earth to walk with Jesus? It's so that you could walk in the ministry of reconciliation. It's that you have been reconciled to God. You have been made right with God. You have been given right standing with him so that you can then lead others to right standing with God. In Colossians 1, it says that Christ not only reconciled us to himself, he reconciled the entire world to himself, and now he has committed that to us, not just me, not just Pastor Bill, not just Pastor Will, but he has given us all the ministry of reconciliation and all the job of participating in his plan of redemption, that he has chosen you, and he has made you an ambassador. You know, what is an ambassador? You wouldn't want me to be an ambassador for the Philadelphia Eagles, because I hate the Eagles, all right? I know that hurts. I'm sorry. (laughs) I do not like the Eagles. So therefore, I do not have their best interests in my heart and mind. It means that if I were to show up at a place, I wouldn't be wearing the Eagles gear. I wouldn't be bragging about the Eagles. Why? Because I do not like the Eagles. But now for the Redskins, I could be an ambassador. I could represent their interests and I could participate and I could cheer them on and I could root for them. Why? Because I love them. 
And in the same way, you are called to be an ambassador of the kingdom of God. And an ambassador, when an ambassador goes from another country, they don't participate and they don't say, well, I think this is the best way, or they don't have their own best interests in mind. They are representing the interests of the country that they are there to represent. And in the same way, you are an ambassador of Christ. You are here to represent the interests of his kingdom and his world. That's why Jesus prayed in Matthew, um, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That we are here to establish the kingdom of God and to be ministers and ambassadors of reconciliation. And so I don't know who that is to you. For all of us, that's different. Some of us work at jobs and places to where the opportunity affords itself to share the gospel there. Some of us have next-door neighbors that we have relationships with and that we're close with and that we can be ambassadors of reconciliation there. Some of us have family members that are alienated and are strangers of God. And we have the opportunity and the privilege and the honor to represent the kingdom of God to them to demonstrate who God is to them. And so Jesus, um, after he was resurrected from the grave, if any of you don't know, he walked the earth for 40 days. And he didn't teach much and he didn't instruct much in those last 40 days, or at least not much is recorded. But at least in three different um, occurrences in those 40 days, this is what he said. He appears to Peter he says, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, well, yeah, I love you. Then feed my sheep. Repeats it again. Peter, do you love me? Well, yes, Lord, I love you. Then feed my sheep. And a third time, just like Peter denying Jesus three times, Jesus asked him again, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes, Lord. Lord says, then feed my sheep. What's the Lord telling him? Peter, be an ambassador of reconciliation. Another time he appears to the disciples in Matthew and he's giving a teaching. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me so that you may go and therefore make disciples of all the nations. Once again, you may go and be ambassadors of reconciliation. You have been reconciled to God. You have been made right with God. You are now to go and make disciples and reconcile others unto God. And lastly, one more time, before the disciples were meeting and they were waiting, and Jesus said, you're going to wait here until the Holy Spirit comes. And then when he does, you're going to go into all of Judea, Samaria, and Galilee, and across this earth, spreading the gospel and being ambassadors of reconciliation. And so the truth is, is that if you've been reconciled to God and you have been made right, you have been given the ministry of reconciliation. It's not a maybe, it's not an if, it's not a sometimes, it's not a when I feel like it. It's an every day, every minute, every second ministry of reconciliation. And so the truth is, some of you today um, may be here in church and maybe you never have um, given up this chair and you've never given up Um, the seed of decision and you've been wrestling and you've been searching and you've been longing for purpose and meaning um, and you've never been made a new creation in Christ. It's real simple. Is that in your heart you confess that Jesus is Lord and you say, Lord, um, I've done a bad job with this and I cannot handle this and I want to give you the rightful place um, where you belong and I want you to sit and reign in the seat of my heart. 
Maybe you've never been reconciled to God. Maybe you feel that God is um, a stranger and he's far off. And, you know, Pastor Ryan, you just don't know the sins that I've done or the things that I've done or, you know, how terrible I have been. Or you just don't know the things that have happened to me and just how broken this world has left me. Um, I would tell you that Christ reconciled himself to you. That while you were yet a sinner, that while you were yet an enemy, while you were yet committing sins, Christ died for you so that you could be reconciled unto him. And it's real simple today. Be reconciled to him. Paul actually implores and urges, and he says in 2 Corinthians 2.19, he says, I urge you and I implore you to be reconciled to God. Why? Because there is no greater thing. It's why you are here. It's why God gave you breath and why God gave you life, so that you could be reconciled to him. It is your purpose. It is your meaning. And so I would implore you today that if you are at odds with God and you feel that he is a stranger, be reconciled to him. There's nothing special. There's no Bible verses that you have to memorize. There's no um, special task that you have to do. He paid the price. He reconciled himself to us so that he could know you, and he wants to know you. It says that he lavishes his love upon the children of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that you could be reconciled, so that you could know him, and so that he could sit and rule over the reign of your heart so that you could be under new management. And so if you haven't made that decision today or if you're at odds with God, um, we're about to go to communion as um, Elder Ken will lead us, but make sure that you are reconciled with God, that you are right with God because you are a new creation in Christ. The old has passed away. The old has gone. The new has come. You are a new creation. You are new. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have called us to be your image bearers. You have made us to reflect your nature, your character, your goodness, your love. And Father, we are sorry for where our sins and our decisions and where we have um, walked away and we have made ourselves strangers of God, where we, want, where we walked in darkness, where we've walked away from your plan and your purpose and your will. But Father, I thank you that the cross bridges that gap. I thank you that the cross reconciles me to you and that you have made me a new creation and that I'm no longer bound or tethered to the old and I no longer have to conform to the old, but Lord, that you are transforming me and making me new. So as we celebrate and worship together in communion, for those of us that um, need to be reconciled, I pray, God, that they would reconcile themselves to you and be made new. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.